When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. What's going on? Jermaine Johnson tuning in to Turn On The Jets podcast. Hey, this is Vinny Pasquantino of the Kansas City Royals. Make sure you tune into the Turn On The Jets podcast. What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Turn the Jets podcast. I'm your host, Will Parkinson, at Will on Twitter, Instagram, and TikTok. Joined for, uh, I think, the second or third time on the, on the show, Brad Spielberger, Pro Football Focus, host of the uh, PFF Wire podcast with Doug Hyde. How are we doing today? Uh, how are we doing today, Brad? Doing great. Yeah, thanks for having me back. Yeah, no, I'm excited. It was uh, you dropped a little nugget last time you're on here about uh, Zach Wilson, you know, having uh, some of the best arm talent a uh, former NFL scouts ever seen. So, um, you know, hopefully, uh, hopefully that comes to fruition. Obviously, on Sunday, um, you know, obviously, Jet Steelers coming up. We'll start with kind of the season, you know, so far, first couple of weeks. What are your kind of impressions of the Jets? Is it what you expected? Better, or worse? Uh, just overall kind of impressions, I guess, from the first couple of weeks, specifically, uh, you know, last week against Cincinnati. Yeah, I mean, obviously it's tough when you're out without your quarterback and several tackles uh, right out of the gate. That, that makes it very hard to evaluate a team, you know, arguably some of the more important positions on the field. But I think, honestly, relatively positive. I think the rookie class, obviously Garrett Wilson has been awesome so far. I think Jermaine Johnson looked good in that Cincinnati game. Um, you know, obviously Sauce Gardner and DJ Reed now. The, the, the two corners have both played really well so far. Um, you know, I, I think the defense is taking strides that I wanted to see. I think Quinn and Williams has looked like Quinn and Williams. I think we're seeing better play from just the rest of the defense. Um, and, and, you know, er, on early downs and EPA per play, they're top 10. Um, you know, they, they've been solid in, in certain situations. But, yeah, long answer short, until we see Zach and until we at least get Dwayne Brown back, it's kind of hard to evaluate the offense, which has been a typical Jets offense so far. Yeah, it's been interesting. It's there's been a lot of like splash stuff and there's a lot of individual stuff going on. That's looked good. If you look at some of the grading, you know, Garrett Wilson's playing like a top 10 receiver from PFF grading scale. Quinn Williams, a top five defensive tackle. AVT's looked like a top five guard. The cornerbacks have been awesome. Uh, even Clemens and Jermaine Johnson have graded out well. Max Mitchell's graded out higher the first three weeks than um, I think everyone, but Abraham Lucas, maybe from that class. I know it's definitely above a and Neil, which is if you watch either of those team, either of those guys, it's not been pretty so far. Um, some guys in the Jets haven't exactly kind of lived up to what I, I think they'll eventually get to and look at more Davis specifically in the receiving game. Um, Conklin's been very up and down. There's been some garbage time stuff, which has been nice, but at the same time, uh, a lot of fumbles, some drops, just not great in the blocking game, which is not his forte, but at the same time, um, 
you know, when you have Joe Flacco back there, you need tight ends to be able to be an outlet, but also block. So I know you mentioned Quinn Williams and obviously he's a very, I would say he's a very polarizing player in terms of the Jets fan base comparatively to like his reputation league wide. I think everyone saw a dominant player in college, third overall pick. He's had productive seasons. He's been good. I'm not sure he's been great, which is, you know, third overall pick. Obviously, Nick Bosa goes too. So um, thanks, Sam Darnold, for that meaningless touchdown in Buffalo Week 17. And obviously, Nick Bosa is a premier pass rusher. Quinn Williams is a much different player, right? And I know he's due for an extension, the tag, whatever is going to be coming up here shortly. I know you've done some numbers on this before. How, like, how much is he helping himself early on here? Because obviously the market, the cap's only going to start going up, keep going up. And, um, you know, he's not going to get Aaron Donald money, but I'm sure he's going to get, you know, in the uh, definitely above that 18, $19 million range. I'm sure he's going to be looking for. Yeah, there's no question about it. You know, I think he has, I think when you watch him, he seems to have a pass rush plan more than in the past. He kind of just relied on his, you know, freakish athleticism and the things that got him to the number three overall pick. And I think it's now he's realizing like that gets you the NFL. It doesn't keep you on that trajectory once you're in the NFL. And I think we've seen better hand placement, just better kind of first step. He seems to know what he wants to do. Um, yeah, he's helped himself, I think, for a couple of reasons. So that obviously his individual play, but also Jeffrey Simmons is once again playing like a world beater. And I think if you wait for him to go first um, in Tennessee, you can then try to top that based on draft pedigree. Even if you think maybe he's a little bit better of a player in Simmons, um, you probably can use your draft capital to kind of push yourself ahead. So, yeah, I, th I think he's now in that 20 million per year conversation. Obviously, he's got to play like this the rest of the season, but. Yeah, it's uh, it's tough, right? Like it's, you know, all the win rates, all the analytics say Q is a top five defensive tackle. And I would say some of the film suggests that I would say some suggest he's more like a top 15 defensive tackle that has moments of being a top five guy. He's he's been really good so far. Like there's no question. Um, I think there's I think everyone likes to see him finish some plays a little bit more frequently, although it's obviously not always in your control, especially as an interior defensive lineman. The Jets have had some issues which is what I wanted to get to next. They have a really expensive defensive line. I think me and you've talked about this. They have the most expensive trench group in football. I know it's jaded a little bit because of what happened at tackle. You had to pay a third tackle, big money. I get it. It happens, but Carl Lawson's making a lot of money. Quinn Williams makes a lot of money. Sheldon Rankins makes good money. Although Keon Rankins have played well, so it's deserved. Jermaine Johnson makes a decent amount of money. Obviously he's a first round pick. So he makes a decent amount. Jacob Martin makes a lot of, you know, a lot of money for a third down specialist who should be not playing over Bryce Huff. That's a whole nother discussion. It's been disappointing so far. I think they've accumulated like a sack and a half combined as the whole edge group. Is it, you think it's more the opponents they've played, their performance, the scheme, like what's going on here? Because I know there's some, you can point to little things, but point blank, like it's not been good enough through three weeks. Um, although there's a lot of factors. It's funny you mentioned Bryce Huff because I was actually going to put him in a trade candidates piece that I did. I, I went ahead with, with Denzel Mims, probably more obvious choice, but I, I agree with you. I'm not sure why Huff is, I mean, I do get it. It's because they signed Martin to a decent, you know, two-year deal um, and they're trying to justify that contract now. But yeah, as for why they're not getting home, I mean, it's a good question. They have played, actually, you know, Burrow usually is kind of the easiest uh, guy to sack in the NFL, um, had the most sacks taken through week two we've had in, you know, PFF history. So since 2006, um, but yeah, I, I mean, obviously the Ravens and, the, and Lamar is, is tough to bring down. Um, you know, I, hopefully it changes and it's, it's obviously not a super stable thing, but you want to see those pressures to convert into sacks. And I agree that they really have not at a level that they should be given the pressure they are creating. All right. I do this. So I mute myself sometimes and sometimes I don't. 
and uh, I still two two years into this, I still do it. Um, and I guess we'll flip to the offensive side of the ball. Um, I don't want to be too uber negative on this because I think there is a lot of positive signs, but. Elijah Moore and Corey Davis are both players. I think everyone's really high on Elijah Moore. I don't think there's any reason to be low on him. That said, they're both not playing PFF grade-wise, and I think overall production-wise, you'd expect more through two weeks, especially with the volume they've thrown the ball. I know it's not their fault all the time. There's offensive line issues. Joe Flacco would check down to Brees Hall and Conklin at will for absolutely no reason because he doesn't want to get hit and patting the ball, and then the whole thing, I get it. I don't get it, but I I, understand, I can I have eyes. I see it. Or how much of how much of things kind of change here? I know PFF put out an article. I think Marcus put it out. I'm not sure who put it out, but best receiving core is basically in football, and the Jets were right around 18 or 19, which is probably fair through three weeks. I think they could be a top 10 unit, like frankly, by the end of the year. I, I really Garrett Wilson's that special to me, and I think Elijah has that potential. Are we just not seeing it yet in terms of just because Flacco on the offensive line with those two, or do you think there's other things like maybe they're not quite as good as we thought they were? I really do think they have the potential to be a top 10 unit. I think we throw on the film. Elijah Moore is getting open very consistently. Um, there is issues sometimes with Flacco just not looking his way or just not pulling the trigger. And it's kind of a wasted rep, um, but he should be more productive. And, and I also get, um, you know, why Flacco, like you said, I mean, he has, he's hearing footsteps. He obviously is missing a bunch of guys. So it's understandable, but um, and then I agree with you on Garrett. I mean, same thing. I think, I think it was the Bengals game where he had eight catches for like a hundred. I mean, he was open almost every single snap. Like it was, it was crazy. Um, and Flacco was looking his way and I'm guessing maybe, you know, he worked with him a lot early in the off season as a rookie and kind of got more reps with him. So maybe that's part of it, but I will say, I do think it could be a top 10 unit, but I think those two young guys would need to become the one and the two and make Corey Davis the three. I think he's a good, not great player. He can't, I don't think he really gets, gets off the line super well. Um, kind of needs to be not schemed open, but you know, he's not a guy I think that wins one-on-one, um, but still as a third option, I mean, could be one of the be best third options in football. So I think it could get there. I think some health on the offensive line. If Zach does take that step and looks like, you know, a guy, he looked like in camp at times, then we could have that, that group, you know, climbing up the list all year long. Yeah. It's interesting. You mentioned that because I think Corey Davis is really good against zone coverage. He's not great against man. Zach was really good against zone coverage last year or good. And he was really bad against man coverage. Now they have two guys. He didn't really play Elijah more much last year. They were not in sync at all early on. Elijah's first three or four games missed off camp. Like once he got rolling, then Zach got injured. Then Zach came back and got rolling a little bit and Elijah got injured. It was a mess. So to that extent, I think I'm excited to see them. Garrett Wilson being this good this early changes a lot for them. He's got like him being able to beat man at a, like a frequent, frequent rate and not, you know, the Jets having running backs that can beat man coverage in terms of linebackers. It's huge because now teams can't just sit in. They have to like eventually get to that. Oh, we're just going to sit in too high shell or we're going to sit in cover three and just let you beat us underneath. That'd be great for the Jets. Like, you know, they don't, you don't want to be a team that they're just blitzing you because they, because uh, they feel like they can. I want to hit on Zach in a second, but last kind of offensive guy, Elijah Vera Tucker has been, I think he was good last year. I would say he was good as a rookie overall. He was very good in the run game, was pretty poor in the past game. I think it wasn't like, it was just specific times he would just overset or his hands were off. It was just his new position. I get it. He's been awesome this year. Like there is every rate, whether it's your guys' metrics, ESPN, football outsiders, like he's been really good. And the film says it. How like how good is his ceiling? Is it just what we're seeing now even better of like this Pro Bowl level, you know, guard and the Jets can kind of have for the next 10 years there? I think he could become one of the best guards in football. I really do. Um, I remember during that draft, 
Look, I'm not, you know, trading up that high for a guard does carry a lot of risks. And, and in a general sense, on a process-based analysis, you'd probably, you know, shy against it. But you heard from several clubs that year that basically there was a consensus. He was the last kind of blue-chip player on the board. And then after him, everything changed. And so, and to be fair, Christian Derisaw has looked good for the Minnesota Vikings. But there were some injury red flags there and some other issues. But nevertheless... I mean, I think you could. I think you could be the best guard, best guard in football. Also, going from left guard to right guard, and I, not missing a beat, like really not being an issue. Letting Lakin slide into where he's used to playing. Um, yeah, I agree with the you know the, the offensive line or the the pass sets and all that. Maybe saw a little bit of tackle in him. Maybe trying to kick out a little bit too much and, and go back to his USC days. But no, I think the sky is the absolute limit. And, and you see some reps. Kind of like Quinton. There are some reps where he looks like the best athlete on the field. Um, and I think we'll just see more consistency in that regard. Yeah, it's. It's slightly concerning. I know Sam Monson brought it up on their show. I'm not concerned with Lankin yet. That said, it's got to be better. It was better in the Cleveland game, and they won. The two games where he's played really poorly. And again, I don't know how much. I think this next couple of weeks will be a big test, especially when Dwayne Brown's back, presumably next week. Is it the guy that's playing next to him has been that bad that he's he's trying to compensate and he's getting beat on both sides because he's trying to do too much? There could be some of that. I'm not positive. It's hard to tell until you see the other side of it. Um, look, I, I think I mentioned this on Wednesday's show, I believe. George Fant getting hurt by name recognition and money-wise is a big deal. And it's a big deal because Connor McDermott's not very good. George Fan has played awfully. He's been one of the five worst-graded tackles in football. The film suggested, and I'm not saying he's a bad football player, but he has been a bad football player because he's been hurt. And that's fine, and that's why he's on IR, and that all makes sense. I just was not of the opinion you could like sit Zach any longer because George fans out. I'm sorry. The number two overall pick figure it the fuck out. Like, mm-hmm. I don't know what to tell yeah. you. Um, it's a grown man's league. And at the end of the day, if you were scared to put your number two overall pick on the field, you probably got the number two overall pick wrong. This is not the early two thousands where Carson Palmer can sit for a year and, you know, and you can just make things better. That's not how things roll. You started him as a rookie. You played with a worse offensive line last year. So, um, I guess the last thing on Zach and, and kind of the staff as a whole, what are you kind of looking for to see the next four or five, you know, and obviously 13, 14 games from them that like they'll both be here. Cause I want to hit on fields and your bears in this, like in a little bit, but you know, there's a lot of questions here. And unfortunately in New York and Chicago, it's a pressure cooker and New York's like, unlike any other place. And the jets haven't won in a very long time. How much do you need to see? Is it like a, incremental step where you're like oh Zach's the 20th guy best guy in the league and Salah's the 27th best head coach or is it like they need to both be around that 15 range plus to be like okay they're back next year no question uh based on draft slot and all that stuff yeah no it's a great question at first would just say I agree like making excuses or saying we should hold him out I mean that's the point of taking quarterback two overall is that he can overcome those things if he can't then he's not like you said you made the wrong pick um you know, it's tough because the schedule going forward, I mean, Pittsburgh, yes, they're without TJ Watt, but it's Pittsburgh. Then you have you know, Miami, Denver, Green Bay. So the next month is four really good defenses that do different things to challenge Zach Wilson. A lot of cover zero and, and man in Miami. Then you're going to get a ton of zone with Denver and Green Bay. So he's going to see a lot of different things and a lot of different things will be thrown at him. I would say in a general sense, though, you, you need to be – you know, like a top 20 is fair, maybe even argue top half of the NFL. So top 16, I don't want to put huge expectations on a guy, but I do think, of course, there are outliers like Josh Allen and whatnot. But for the most part, you tend to know at least the, the, the probabilistic range of outcomes for a guy after a second year. 
So if he shows those flashes a little bit more consistent and plays like a top half of the NFL quarterback, I think you feel good. I think you're saying, all right, like, then he could become a top eight, top six quarterback in the NFL at one point. Um, as for the coaching, I think it's already been better. I think that has been noticeably better. Um, and I was kind of down on them last year. I knew they had, you know, injuries and all sorts of things. But the defense, in my opinion, even with the lack of talent, was just not good enough and kind of shot themselves in the foot at times. It just did things that – you, like the, that are Robert Sala's fault, frankly. And I think that has been cleaned up to a degree. Um, obviously, the talent does help a, a great deal on the back end in particular. But um, I feel much better about the coaching staff at this point. And now I think it's more on Zach Wilson to kind of take that step as well. Yeah, you mentioned, look, this is part of the problem. This happened with Sam, I think. And this is why people have PTSD. But it's also just kind of having been through it now, I think most fans are kind of not making quite the excuses that I think some of them were reasonable. Others were more of just obviously excuses, which is I think what's happening in Chicago to an extent and what was going to happen in, you know, it's happening in new England and things year two, year one, Trevor Lawrence was not good at all. He was actually, frankly, arguably awful. And I'm not sure why no one wanted to talk about it. I get it because it was all urban Myers fault. So reasonable excuse, Doug Peterson's an awesome hire. I said it from day one. I think we literally talked about this in Indy. Like this is, literally a lock to be a good hire trevor lawrence is playing the top 10 quarterback within three weeks and they didn't really add that many great weapons like they added like guys they added a bunch of b minus guys and you were like right. okay it's better um but trevor looks awesome he looks like the player everyone thought he was going to be and mac looked good for six or seven games as a rookie and he's obviously now regressed now the injury with the ankles classic patriot stuff going on where he wants to have surgery and whatever but Justin Fields has taken a huge step back, and I don't think he was very good last year. And I know the talent's not great around him, but I say this with the same thing with Zach, where Sam Darnold got like incrementally a little bit better, but Josh Allen took a, a leap and then took a huge leap, obviously. Lamar Jackson, he won the, I think he won MVP second year, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. So like it's hard to look at that and be like, oh, our quarterback didn't have a negative like touchdown interception ratio. That's why he should stay. Again, I'm not trying to sound negative. I'm just saying, like, I have real expectations for Zach. I'm not stupid, but at the same time, I think there's expectations. Are you worried about Fields? Because, yes, I know they're not – he doesn't have a lot of talent, but 297 passing yards, and, like, he's not getting any time – he's not getting any chance to even throw because I don't think they trust him, which is a huge issue. Where are you at with Fields? Because it seems like a mess. I think you'd be lying to yourself if you weren't saying you're like hovering above the panic button. Um, you know, the, the lack of talent, I will say, you go back and watch the film, like, yes, it's a bottom half of the NFL receiving core and offensive line. They've actually kind of held, in my opinion, the offensive line has held up okay. I think the interior has actually been solid. The tackles are two young guys that are going to make rookie mistakes and, and things of that nature. Um, and then the receiving core is bad. I think it's probably a bottom five receiving core in the NFL. But you watch the film, like, they are getting open on, on a handful of snaps. And, and you're seeing feels like, and even JT O'Sullivan, you know, who, who loves him and, and believes in him, was doing QB schools. And the, and the most recent one, he was like, there's four or five throws that I just don't understand why he didn't pull the trigger. Like, it's clearly open. He's looking in that, in that guy's direction. Um, he knows the defense pre-snap. He's understanding what's going on. He's still just not doing it. I think it's a couple things. So, he has retooled and reworked his motion, and it's a quicker release and all that. But I actually think it's now come with a drop in accuracy. He's missing throws. He's leading our charting in inaccurate throws. And, yes, he's a big game hunter. He likes to throw the ball down the field. He's never going to lead that category. But it's, like, it's weird, and it's not something you're used to seeing. And then the second thing is you mentioned just the lack of trust. So I will say the one excuse I'm making more than the talent is week one, the weather was preposterous. I almost threw it out the window. Week three kind of was, too. The winds were 27, 28-mile-an-hour gusts of winds, and so I think 
They were again afraid to throw the football. But Green Bay, you're down two scores almost the entire game, and you're not throwing the ball. And I get they were clipping, you know, seven, eight yards a clip on the ground. I understand that. But the game script was screaming pass, and you're just not trusting the guy to pass. And, and at a certain point, it's like, I think Luke Getzey is a solid offensive coordinator. I, th- I like what I've seen from him, what I've heard from him. Um, obviously, you know, the jury's still out there, but I think there is a clear lack of trust. And then and, and at a certain point, you wonder, maybe did they not invest a ton around him because they are waiting for the next guy, and then they're going to spend around that guy. Um, it's it, You're lying to yourself if you're not concerned about where he's at right now. Yeah, it's just, look, I think running the ball and protecting your quarterback and playing good defense is exactly what they've done. That said, it's treating every game like Mac Jones against the Bills last year and in in those wins, like, isn't – it's not going to help anybody. Like, I'd rather them throw – like, you go 3-13 and 13 or 3-14 and 14 and have Justin Fields throw it a thousand times and yeah. go, okay, he can't function this offense. We need to build it as, like, a defense, traditional Bears, you know, Jets, ground and pound, like, defense. Like, I get that. Um, that's my one thing with Zach that's, like, hard is because you want – the team to be successful so bad, but also last year at times they like totally changed the offense. <laughs> Zach would go on the field and then Mike White or Flacco would come in. They throw it 60 times. You're like, Oh, what's going on here? Mm. Um, you want to make sure they trust them. And I mean, Kyle does that with Jimmy and then Mick Mullins comes in and throws it 50 times. So I don't know. You never really know kind of what the reasoning is kind of a couple other NFL things as a whole. Are you buying the Miami stuff? Are you cautious? like I am with it because they're really top heavy in my opinion, like especially offensive line and defensively, like they're one Zevian Howard or Javon Holland and Teron Armstead injury from being like pretty much just a more explosive version of what they've been the last two years, which is a kind of shitty unit that has really good players. Um, the Armstead worries me. Are you worried at all about Miami? Or are you just there? Them and, the, them and the Eagles are the Super Bowl. We should just quit the season right now. I mean, I think they definitely are good. They probably exceeded my expectations, but I agree that they're fragile where a couple key injuries could really kill them. I mean, to be fair to them, Byron Jones obviously has not played yet this season and they're 3-0. and um, But now, like you said, Xavier Howard's also now hurt. Um, and then Armstead is already dealing with it, you know, as he always is, kind of dealing with something. He's been able to play through it. But, yeah, you lose him, your offensive line, all of a sudden becomes a bad unit, which is, it has been in the past. Um, my thing, though, ultimately is – Tua, I'm not trying to always be a Tua detractor. If if he proves me, I, I admit I'm wrong all the time. Like I'm not sticking to a prior. He just still hasn't really shown. Me. Like to me, I he now has Tyree Kill on his team. He now has Teron Armstead on his team and Mike McDaniel. They lead the NFL in play action rate. They lead the NFL in pre snap motion rate. They're doing all these things to hit the easy buttons. You know, his fourth quarter against Baltimore, 200 yards, four touchdowns. Like that's that's not an easy thing to accomplish. But he still had two picks in that game. Had I want to say four turnover worthy plays. He, he has no velocity on his ball. Like It's just like, I, I do not want to just always be a two-out hater and two-and-on come after me. It's just like, at the end of the day, if they need to win a game with him in the playoffs against a good team, and I know they just did it against Baltimore, but I just I just don't see that happening. Yeah, that's my, my one of my things with when everything's not perfect, are we going to still see the same stuff? And um, I'm still worried. Like, I my biggest thing with Tua for the entire entirety of the last – I guess five years really because in college and then like he gets hurt every single year and it's four five six season ending like last week like there's a I pray he doesn't get hurt because I never want anyone to get hurt but like they're running they're gonna run him out there tonight and he shouldn't probably really be playing because there's no way you can convince me that wasn't concussion that was I am the biggest like I argue about CT and like in favor of the NFL all the time probably like an idiot 
that was one of those things like, dude, <laughs> if it was a concussion, just say he passed concussion protocol, but right. like don't announce it's a head injury and then tell everyone it's not a head injury and it's a back. I've had a concussion the same way that happened. I literally got up and stumbled like it happens. It's fine. Um, last two things here before we kind of um, actually three things. One, we kind of mentioned it before, but how much money do you think George Fant do you like cost himself by coming to the season unhealthy? They didn't get a deal done. Um, and now they have paid Dwayne Brown a lot of money for next year. So it's unlikely that either he'll be here as a swing tackle or competing for a job and the Jets are going to have an expensive line again. I think a decent amount. We obviously don't know what he was asking for, but um, you know, even the projection I had is completely out the window. I was actually told before he got hurt, like you're a little bit too high there. That was three years, 35 million. And that's basically what Rob Havenstein got. And, and Rob Havenstein is a better player than George Fant and has been consistent for a number of years. Yes. He's only a right tackle. And we kind of talked about how maybe the positional component could help um with, with fan but yeah at this point I, I mean you look at veteran tackles you know he's over 30 now you look at those guys it, besides armstead and even him like was an elite elite player um and still only got 15 million a year you look at you know like the riley reefs and and some of the other kind of like swingy 30 plus year old guys they're getting like six seven million dollars of at most per year um you know like a bill and a wave a couple years ago like those type of players just don't do well and frankly the, the results have not been strong um, for those guys. So it's probably, you know, the teams are probably being sharp in not giving those big deals. Um, yeah, I, I think he has cost himself a lot. If they had a deal on the table for, you know, let's say, I don't know, three years and, and 25 million instead of 35, he probably should have taken it. Now he gets two years, 10 million in free agency next year. I'd be like, yeah, that's, that's decent. Like that's, that's a solid deal. Yeah. It's, it's so funny. Like how this thing, these things to work, you know, obviously you can go on the other side of things and every other sport and, you know, Aaron judge doesn't take it for every Aaron judge of, not to that extreme, obviously, we'll never see <laughs> yeah. this. We'll never see this again. But a lot of guys have they bet on themselves, and um, you know, Rogers bets on himself or Revis. These guys bet them on themselves all the time. Other guys, uh, you know, sometimes struggle. Last two things here, in terms of, in terms of Philly and like a lot of these different, you know, there's two different regimes. It feels like in the league now, it's like the Eagles front office, the Eagles Baltimore front office guys kind of dominating the league, and obviously it affects the Jets. And then San Francisco, you know, the Kyle kind of tree with Sean and you know all these guys they're kind of the same tree I know they're different but they're pretty much the same thing big picture which do you think continues to like that trend continues you think we'll see the similar amount of head coaches continue in the west coast uh you know wide zone kind of system or do you think we'll see more of the Baltimore Philly kind of GM trees sprinkled throughout the league as the amount of success they've been having the Cowie and, and DeCosta and these guys I think those trees are going to keep going, which is crazy to say, considering I think Philly got poached for four assistant GMs this offseason alone. Um, but there's more. I mean, Alec Hallaby in Philadelphia is going to be an assistant GM somewhere pretty soon. I think he actually now is technically an AGM in Philly. Um, and then in Baltimore, same thing. I think Joe Hordes will get a shot eventually um, to be a top guy. Freddie's not a great interviewer, um, but is obviously a well-respected guy around the NFL and, and gets the interviews. And, and I think eventually we'll get a gig. Yeah, I mean, I think teams recognize just the value in, in that. And Obviously, there's value in running a good scheme and a good offense, but as you know, I mean, it's a not only a copycat league, but it's, it's then a we find a solution to this, and then everyone has to kind of adapt and adjust. And I think we've seen McVeigh adjust to a degree. I think the new guys like Kevin O'Connell isn't really running a pure kind of like McVeigh system. He's got to brought some of his Washington, which I guess is all kind of the same. Tree. But nevertheless, like they're already adapting, kind of doing different things. And I think it's going to be a necessity. So I honestly would say it's those, those sharp front offices continuing to just lose talent year after year. Yeah, I mean, look, not that I, not that I'm excusing in any way what John Gruden did, uh, you know, in terms of 
what he did, like morality wise, but he, they all took John Gruden's offense to an extent from the early 2000s, which, you know, obviously helped Rich Cannon win a title. I mean, which and win an MVP essentially using that system. And then obviously in Tampa Bay, they won a title, but you know, they all came from that system and yeah. things like that. Um, I agree with you. I'm obviously hopeful from the Jets perspective. They got both their hires, right. Cause they came from those trees and um, you've seen glimpses of, of that work and you've seen some, some things that you'd like to see improve, particularly safety and, uh, you know, addressing other things of that nature. Hopefully you got the quarterback, right? Because that's all that really matters. But um, obviously appreciate you all coming on as always. Uh, make sure you guys are following Brad. Listen to his pod with Doug Hyde and, you know, stuff they're doing over at PFF. And, uh, you know, we'll talk to you guys with Brooke Pryor, of, uh, who covers the Steelers, tomorrow. And uh, we'll be back. We'll be back.